What Remains Inside Chapter 2 By that time of night, everyone and everything smelled like Budweiser. The keg was pretty much empty. Now it only sprayed foam from the nozzle. All the kids were leaving, tired, drunk, throwing up. To me, everything felt happy. Someone had strung white Christmas lights all around the backyard, and the feeling was exotic. The yellow lights created a canopy beneath which there was a picnic table strewn with half-empty cups. Cigarette butts floated in most of them. Some of the cups had red lipstick stains on them. The party was over. The summer air was cool and fresh, and if you weren't close to the picnic table, which smelled from cigarettes, rancid beer, and vomit, the air was refreshing. To me, this was a first, the first end of party, even though it was sort of a letdown for a lot of the partygoers, especially those who wanted more drinking and fun. To me, it was amazing. It was the first time I had been to a keg party. The seniors were there, mostly popular kids. The football players were there and the party seemed to move around them. Some of them stood together in groups of three or four. Some of them were making out in bedrooms in the house or in a dark corner of the yard. One or two were rambunctious, howling and drinking heavily. I imagined that this is what Mexico looked like. I don't know why, but I kept thinking of Mexico and how exotic things must be there. I was 15 and a sophomore, and earlier in the night I wasn't noticed. I moved around like a little sister at a wedding, taking sips of beer and running around with Kathy, who was also going to be a sophomore next fall. I thought of what a big deal it was to be there, how Kathy had told me this was a party for the popular kids, that there would be seniors there, football players. It was really cool to be invited, and to still be at the party when everyone was leaving felt even more privileged. It was late, but I didn't even think about time because I thought everything looked so pretty and festive, and I was drunk. I sat on a bench and leaned back against the picnic table. I closed my eyes for a minute and felt a curious dizziness, like centrifugal force on the roundup ride at Lincoln Park. Instinctively, I opened my eyes again, I knew that enjoying the dizziness might make me throw up, so I opened my eyes to stop the spinning, and when I did, I noticed that again, Ryan Todd was looking right at me. He kept on talking with his buddies, but he was smiling while he talked. It was hard to believe that Ryan Todd would notice me. Just a year before, I was so lonely in New Bedford High School. No one had known that I existed. No one wanted to be my friend except for a kid named Chip who was in the band and whose attention made me uncomfortable. For weeks in English class, he had watched me. Finally, he asked me to go out with him. And when I said no, he looked at me, puckered his lips oddly, and then lisped, well, bye-bye, cookie. I was stupid because I didn't know what go out really meant. I was so lonely the first half of my freshman year. The school was so big and I didn't know anyone. I had never felt so alone before, being around so many kids and having no one to talk to. Finally, after Christmas last year, I decided I would try harder to make friends. I sat at home and wrote down my school schedule. I wrote down every period and whom I wanted to talk to in each class. I made a plan for talking to someone every period. I planned out what I would ask, such as, 
hi, Philip, did you do your homework? Or Kathy, is someone sitting here? Finally, I made friends with Kathy and Sherry. It was near the end of the year before they invited me to go out with them. But once we were all friends, they invited me to go to parties that they got invited to. Before Ryan, I had only kissed one person, this kid Frankie. That was a year ago. It was last summer when I still hung out with Beth from St. Mary's Elementary School. She had told me that Frankie liked me. She had pointed him out from a distance and introduced me once at the mall. I remember standing awkwardly near the orange Julius stand. He had stood there looking at me. I had looked at him and I didn't like him. Part of me didn't like him because he liked me. I had thought, what kind of loser likes me? The more Beth told me he wanted to hang out with me, the more I grew to hate him. I thought his leather bomber jacket looked too big and was too stiff. I felt that he was conspicuously foolish. I was embarrassed for him. Still, he kept telling Beth he wanted to meet me. Reluctantly, I would agree, and then at the last minute, I wouldn't show up. Two times I didn't meet him at the park when I said I would. Finally, he told my friend Beth to tell me to stop being a dick tease, which I vaguely understood and which had left me with an uneasy, kind of guilty, shameful feeling. But then, one night, when I was at the park with Beth, he appeared. He grabbed my hand and he led me alone with him into the woods near Buttonwood Park. When we got near a large tree in a secluded part of the woods, he leaned against me, pressing me into the tree. I had looked him in his eyes and he had a serious look. He seemed strong and his leather jacket didn't look so stupid. He was staring at me so hard that it felt like he was pressing into me. I had felt a surge of electricity run through me. Finally, he really did press his lips against mine, firmly, but not hard or mean. Then his tongue entered my mouth. It was warm, and at first I think I felt his taste buds. It was curious, then suddenly my whole body exploded in that second. It was an about-to-faint, sweating feeling that I had wanted to last forever. Abruptly, he had pulled away and backed away from me. My heart was beating strongly, and I tried to swallow, but I couldn't get air. He turned his back to me and kept walking. That was when I realized that his kiss was revenge for me not liking him, for standing him up, except I wanted to scream, I changed my mind, I actually do like you. Because after the kiss, I did like him, I loved him. I wanted him to keep kissing me that night. I think I wanted him to probably kiss me the next day and maybe for the whole summer. I wanted what he had wanted. I wanted to hang out with him, but I didn't know how to explain that. I was frozen. I had made a terrible mistake. It was true. He kind of sickened me before. I had found him annoying, disgusting even. But how was I to know? I hadn't known any of it. I didn't know about kissing or that feeling or that you can be mistaken about hating someone only to find out later that you love them after they kiss you. So we kept walking back to the playground where the other teenagers were and I held that feeling, a secret, inside of my body and I had a sense that this was the beginning of a mystery, a glimpse into information that until then I knew nothing about. And despite the times my mother had called me a slut and a whore and talked about her own sex, it was not something she could have driven out of me because until then I hadn't known it belonged to me yet. I had no idea about the mysteries of love. To me, a whore was the same as the other name she called me. To me, a whore was the same as a fucking parasite. 
Frankie was a year before. That was when I was 14. Since then, there had been almost no other boys except that band kid Chip from my English class who asked me to go out. I had known all along with Chip that it wasn't going to be like Frankie. Somehow, through the softness of Chip's hands, through the mole on his cheek, he would never make me feel like that. He would never kiss me like that, and I would never feel that way about him. Even then, I knew I had lost something powerful when Frankie walked back to his friends at Buttonwood Park. But now, the night air was full of Budweiser, and people were bustling, figuring out rides, and there was Ryan Todd, sort of leaning, kind of falling onto a fence post. He was laughing with the other football players, but his dark eyes kept scanning me. Wherever I ended up in the yard, his eyes would find me and land on me and stay there. I knew from what happened with Frankie that somehow it felt the same with Ryan's green eyes looking across the yard into mine. Except that it wasn't the same either. Firstly, Ryan was a senior. He was so handsome and kind. I think he was the kindest football player at New Bedford High School. I don't know how I knew that. It was his reputation, I guess, or the picture of him in last year's yearbook, leaning against a locker, shoulders hunched, kind of shy. Ryan was different from Frankie because he was like a movie star, and every glance he paid me painted a brushstroke of beauty over my awkward body. That night, I was lucky because my sister had let me wear her sleeveless peach shirt that buttoned up front. It had cream lace around the edge. It made my skin look tanned. I had my hair down around my shoulders, and I didn't wear my glasses. And although my eye crossed a little without them, I thought it made me look prettier somehow. I also thought I looked older than 15. I was sure Ryan didn't think I was a sophomore. He might have thought I was a junior. Kathy had left a long time before, and so had Sherry. That left Erica de Montague, who was not nearly as nice as Kathy or Sherry. She was a big girl, a bully who was kicked out of the Catholic high school for beating up another cheerleader on her squad during a game. She was walking towards me with her keys jangling in front of her. Her long blonde hair was sprayed stiff and curled around her face. She had heavy mascara on that clumped around her squinted, stoned eyes. Her high-heeled sandals poked deep holes in the wet grass as she walked towards me. I could smell her Chanel number no. 5 as she approached. I would have to ride home with her. Just as she got near to me, Ryan Todd rushed over. He was staggering, but he was rushing with urgency, and he was smiling at me, and so I smiled at him. Let's go, Erica de Montague said. Something about her was like my mother, and she made me feel bullied and embarrassed. But then Ryan stood very close to me and kind of whispered, Can I give you a ride home? She's with me, Erica interrupted, pulling my arm, tugging me away from Ryan. I can go with Ryan, I said quickly, pulling back. No, it's fucking one in the morning. Erica acted as if she knew something I didn't. Or maybe she was jealous. She was trying to make this seem bad when it really wasn't. Fuck you, I said. Fine, see if I fucking care, Erica yelled and stormed off and stumbled to her car, which was a big cutlass her father had given her when he got his new Cadillac. That's good, Ryan said softly laughing. Fuck you, that's funny. He looked down for a minute. Do you want to ride? He was standing so close to me, and he was so handsome. He had dark, short hair. He parted his hair in the middle. He wore a leather cord around his neck with a couple of beads on it. 
He had dark green eyes and tan skin. He was looking intently at me. Sure, I said. I could hear some of the guys Ryan had been standing with, saying something and laughing. I felt sort of embarrassed, but mostly I felt protected. I felt honored and chosen. As we left the party, he reached for my hand, and I felt myself growing warm, and I thought for a moment I was becoming dizzy like when I had thrown up from the beer, but it wasn't like that. We didn't say anything on the way to the car, but when we got inside his father's station wagon, Ryan turned to me and asked, I know a cool place. You want to see it? What kind of place? I asked. It's a baseball field, except you can drive into it at night. He sounded as if this was a very unique thing to do, as if this were a secret privilege. Maybe it was. He played lots of sports. Maybe he had special permission to use the field. Okay, I said. I was relishing this time with him. His attention made me feel like a famous person, someone to notice, someone special. It didn't take long to get to the baseball diamond. When we got to the field, it was dark and the tall stadium lights were blackened. Ryan drove straight into the field and parked near the dugout. The car was almost squarely on the baseline between home plate and first base. The car's headlights broke through the pitch darkness and when Ryan turned them off, it stayed a thick black until the moonlight shadows finally reappeared, stretching the chain-link fence of the dugout over the car and through the windshield. It made nighttime seem secretive, and it was. It was all part of this world that it existed, but that I hadn't known about. I hadn't known about keg parties and how they end at one in the morning with everyone staggering home. I didn't know that baseball fields were pitch black in the middle of the night. I had never thought about what happened to daytime places while I slept. Now I knew. See, he said. Then he leaned in and kissed me on the lips. His lips were soft and his kiss was strong, certain. He looked up at me again. You're so pretty. Did you know that? I stared into his eyes for a moment. I couldn't breathe. No, I finally said, then looked down. You're really pretty. He moved his hand to the back of my neck and gently guided me towards him. I smiled and I looked up at him. I believed him. I believed I was pretty. It was a magical transformation because when he looked at me, I knew that what he saw was beautiful. I knew that when Ryan looked at me, I became good, that I actually had value and worth. I knew that living somewhere inside of me, even if it was only in his eyes, was a pure, good girl who otherwise had no chance of existing. He wasn't a liar. He wasn't tricking me. He stared at me for a moment. Watch this, he said, and leaned over the back seat and pulled on a lever. The seat in the back of the station wagon flattened out. He smiled at me. I could smell his scent. It smelled like fresh laundry, and it was a little sweaty. It was a faint smell, a good one. Cool, huh? He asked. That's really cool, I said. He smiled again and leaned into me and kissed me. I was getting used to it. It felt safe and really perfect. I felt older, and I felt as if I knew him, almost as if I had a right to touch him, talk to him, to want him. I leaned into him and touched his face. He had stubble just a little around his chin. I don't think Frankie had any stubble. I remembered Frankie's skin to be soft. I looked into Ryan's eyes. His dark green eyes were on me. He was generous with himself. I could touch him, kiss him, smile at him.
Do you want to go back there? Oh, I said. Suddenly I felt stupid. That's why the back was cool, because we could go back there and make out. Sure, I said. He backed up to make room, and I climbed over the seat into the back. Ryan followed. We both lay down together and kissed for a long time. Our bodies were next to each other, and I didn't remember ever feeling so close to someone. I didn't remember wanting so badly to touch someone and having permission to do so. Ryan stopped kissing me and looked at me. He looked down at my sister's peach shirt. This is pretty, he said, and started unbuttoning my shirt. He put his hand inside and underneath my bra. I felt my whole body grow warm and I was breathing fast. I want to be with you, he said. Me too, I whispered. He slowly undid my jeans and slid them off me. I felt the metal of the car on my thighs. The metal was warm from our bodies. Are you okay, he asked. I'm okay, I said. Can I kiss you? He was so close to me, looking into my eyes, waiting for me to answer. Yes, I said, and he slid his body down my belly and began kissing me. He was kissing between my legs. I was frozen, unable to breathe. I was in a spell, and the mystery that had begun to unfold with Frankie was before me. This was love, and this was joy. He pulled his body up on mine and slowly put himself inside me. It hurt. My inside started tearing and stinging. I started to cry. He stopped and looked at me. Are you a virgin? He asked softly. I think so, I said. He smiled and stared into my eyes for a long time. Are you okay? He asked. Should I keep going? I nodded. He lay on top of me again and slowly, carefully, he entered me. He looked into my eyes and moved slowly into me. Then the pain stopped and the warmth took over my whole body. He smelled so wonderful and I breathed his scent as he touched me and kissed my lips softly. After a time, he took a deep breath and whispered, I love you. After that, for a long time, there was silence, but I didn't recognize it as silence. Suddenly, I noticed it. For a few minutes afterward, I was free and good and beautiful. And then I felt something or rather noticed something. In a split second, I felt a message run through my body. I reached down and touched myself, and then I looked at Ryan. I'm pregnant, I said. He sat up in the dark car and leaned against the back window. What? I started to cry, and the crying was an intense, inconsolable crying. I'm pregnant, I said. I can feel it. From when? he asked, and he started to possibly believe this truth that I was revealing. Just now, it happened. He took a deep breath. He must have realized at that moment what a child I was and what a childish thing that was to think. Come here, he whispered. Girls are so silly.